desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. We'll pause there. See, we had a, they had a people, a people who God had chosen to follow him. All throughout the Old Testament, God's working with these people, telling them about himself, trying to show them himself so that they can follow him. These people chose to be passionate about God, but they chose to be passionate about God on their own terms. So I'm going to come to God the way I come to God. I'm going to do things the way I want to do things. I'm going to be the way I want to be. That's what they said. So they took all of the stuff that God tried to teach them, and they made it into a religion. They made it into rules and regulations. They made it into all of these things that you should and shouldn't do, which is never what God wants for people in a relationship with him. I'm sorry, a marriage never works if you just set up a whole bunch of rules and regulations that you must do and you must not do because you're just going to end up disappointing each other when you do or don't do what you are meant to do or not meant to do. Isn't that right? Yeah? Real relationships don't work with rules and regulations. Obviously, there's stuff, that, there's stuff which you know, is advised and it is good, it's good practice, you know, but you've got to work in relationship with each other. And that's what they didn't do. They created this religion that was all about following God in name, but not following God in their nature, not following God in, who the, in the way they're designed to be. So it ended up that it wasn't a good reflection of who God is, which is why whenever Jesus um, came down, he looked so different to all the other Jews. And they were looking at him going, you've got something different than us. Paul said, you know what, these Israelites, yes, they're very zealous for God. So you can have as much zeal as you want for a religion, but that's not going to be a relationship with God, which is what's taught in the Bible, which is what Jesus teaches and what Jesus means by whenever he says, follow me. Because he says that to all of us. He says, follow me. So you can be as passionate as you want, but are we being passionate about what God himself wants? This is one thing that we need to constantly challenge ourselves because it's so easy to look at uh, the Bible, look at the New Testament, look at Jesus, look at Christianity and, look, and make it into a whole set of rules and regulations, a whole set of do's and don'ts. And then all of a sudden when something happens which contradicts a tradition that we made up to help support the religion that we have, to help support um, Christianity, when something contradicts that, our ground gets shaken and we, we don't like it. Oh, they're not doing something in the style that I would do it in. They're not doing something in the, you know, the way I would do it. Oh, that person's went and done that. This person's went and done this. Oh, how, how can that be godly? And then because we have formed this religion and it's not based out of relationship, we end up basically criticizing other Christians for them following God the way God's asked them to follow. It's not that they're doing anything against the Bible. They're just doing something against the traditions that we formed out of the Bible. And this is one thing that we need to be so careful not to do, because in verse 4, it reminds us very simply that Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. In other words, look at Jesus, look at the way he was, and that's what was meant by the law that was given by God. 
If we look at the way Jesus handled himself and handled the situations he walked into, the Jewish people come up with a whole culture and a whole set of beliefs to accompany this, but it didn't support the character of God. It supported the religion that they, that they wanted to point towards God, but it didn't support the character of God. And we've got to be car so careful not to do the same. We have to have a look at what defines us as followers of God. And we have to accept what God says and not just the stuff that we form around it. It's so easy just to go on our advice. It's so easy just to go on what makes us comfortable, what makes us tick, what makes us um, you know, excited even to be here. It's so easy to do that. But sometimes we have to do stuff a different way. And that's okay. As long as it's not against the Bible, as long as it's not against the character of God, it's fine. See, we can all read some verses in the Bible, and I can guarantee that all of us will, could read a passage in the Bible, and we could all take different stuff away from it. We could all learn different things from it. And then not only that, we could all learn different things from each other. But it's the exact same verses we're reading, but in the context of who we are, God speaks differently. In the context of the way we are, God speaks to us in different ways. And that's the beauty of being a diverse family. The, the joy is we are all different because if we were all the same and we all fitted into the exact same mold, it would be pretty boring, wouldn't it? I'm sorry, if everybody was like me, dear help this church. You know, if everybody was like any of you, dear help this church. You know, but the joy is because we are all in this together and we all complement each other, even though we are all so diverse, you know what? It's amazing what God can do with people who just set their hearts and minds to follow him. That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus pointed towards. Jesus was like, this is who I'm meant to be. I am the son of God. I've come and he walked around in the power of the son of God. And then as we know from reading in chapter nine and chapter eight, that we are adopted into God's family. We are now sons and daughters of God. So we walk in the same power and authority to go out and be the way God designed us to be to this world. We can go out and be a blessing exactly the way God made you to be. That's the beauty of it. Verse five, it says, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. See, it's simple. Our job as followers of Jesus is to live the way he lived. That's as simple as it is. We are supposed to act the way he would act and show what it means to truly love this world, to truly love each other, and to truly love ourselves. Not be in love with ourselves, but love ourselves. There's a big difference. If you're abusing the body God gave you, that's not good. That's your temple. This is your temple of, your, of the Holy Spirit. That's what another passage calls it. So if we're actually doing something which destroys it, the same as if we do something against somebody else, we're destroying them, we're destroying their temple. Same as if we do something against our community, we're destroying it. See, it's, it's our, it is not our job to try and make Jesus alive to other people. At the end of the day, we can sow the seeds, but if they don't see the life themselves, that's not 
our problem. We just have to live our lives as an example. We are simply to live like Jesus, and through our love and through our actions, people cannot deny that Jesus is alive. It's not your job to convert the whole world. It's God's job to convert the world. It's God's job to show himself, but we have to be living examples of who Jesus is. In verse 8 it says, but what does it say? The The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. See, it's the message that we live out. It's not just near us. It's actually in us. It's in our hearts. So whenever you read the, the, read the Bible, do you take what the Bible's teaching you by the example of Jesus, by the teachings in, 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 throughout the Bible, through learning about the character of God and who he is? Do you take that and do you implant it in your heart? Do you actually go, that's what I want to be like. I want to be, you know, I want to I wanna be slow to get angry because God's slow to get angry. I want to love my neighbor, not because of anything they've done to me, but because I'm supposed to. Because the thing is, when we believe it in here, and then we start speaking and start sharing it with our mouths, that's what transforms. You've got to start, it's got to start in your heart, and out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. It says that in Matthew. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So we don't just talk about it, because we all know somebody who just talks a good talk. I know this one guy, and he could sell snow to Eskimos. He's that good. He's just got the gift of the gab that just convinces people. But the thing is, he actually, well, as the more I got to know him, the more shallow I realized. He 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 had a lot of good friends, but all the relationships were so shallow. He didn't have, he didn't let anybody in to know who he really was. So he was actually very isolated. Even though he could, he, could, he could speak and he could speak and he could convince you of many things, the thing is his heart was so shallow. There wasn't much to him. And this is where we've got to allow the depths of our heart, the depths of who God made us to be, the depths of what, what God's doing in our life, to bubble out of our life and out through our mouth. The scary thing is, is that if we've put something negative into our hearts, if we've allowed something negative to grow in our hearts, that can come out. This is why we need to be so careful what we let into our lives, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about um, the way God made us, what we believe about um, everything that God's doing in our life, and even the mistakes that we've made. You are not the mistakes you've made. You're just a person who's made mistakes. There's a big difference. Because in verse 9, it transforms everything. Because it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As as Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all those who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. These are the key verses to what it means to be a Christian. These are the key verses to what it means to really think. Because firstly, you've got to believe it in your heart. And then out of your heart comes a declaration of love. And that's as simple as it is for anybody to choose to follow God. It's deciding in your heart 
that Jesus is Lord and then confessing it with your mouth. Them two things, hand in hand, make someone a follower of Jesus. That's why we do say to people, have you, you, know, have you prayed the sinner's prayer? That's what we, we've called it sometimes. Basically, are you, have you come to God and have you said you're sorry for the wrong you've done? You've realized what God's done for you. Your heart gets transformed and then you speak. You speak it out. You start telling others, this is how God's transformed my life. God's forgiven me. God loves me. The joy enters your life because you know you're free. You're free of the burdens and the shackles and the stuff that tries to hold you down and hold you back. You're free of it all. You're free of even of other people's opinions and other people's thoughts and other people's mind. You're free of everything. Belief in the heart then speaks. We allow our heart and our mind to be transformed and our focus becomes the salvation of God because that's, that's all it is. We looked earlier on about how it's only by God's grace and God's mercy that, we, uh, that we're forgiven. Earlier in Romans, that's what it talks about time and time again. It's nothing we can do, but it's all about what he's done for us. And simply in this chapter, it's just getting us to the point of realizing that the more we believe it in our heart, the more it will transform our heart, which will then transform the way we speak and the way we are, which will then transform the, what we do and our actions will follow God. We tell people that our priorities have changed. We've got to declare with our mouths to others, you know what, God's transformed my life. Verse 14, it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, it comes back to very simply into how are we going to follow God's call in our life? How are you going to follow the call that God has in your life? How is the rest of the world going to find out the hope that we have? If we truly have the hope of the world, if we truly have um, the light of God inside of our lives, if we're truly following and followers of Jesus, how are we going to tell others? How do you declare to the world, this is who I am? We all know that song, um, This Is Me, from The Greatest Showman. This is me, whoa. In essence, but, but the thing is, in essence, as people look at your life, as you declare, this is me, what are you declaring? What is you? What's actually making you up? What's actually, what, what's actually central in your life? What's key in your life? What's transforming your life? And when what's impacting on other people's lives out of your life? That's the big question we've got to ask. If your message, or sorry, if the message coming out of your life was written down as a sermon, what would be written down? And I'm not on about just the public face. I'm on about every moment of the day. What would you actually, what would actually be declared? Years ago, I challenged a bunch of old people. Like, you know, if your life was a song, what would your song be saying? And in essence, that's the same thing today. In essence, today, what would your life be saying if it was written down as a song? And then even what part of, the, what, what, what part of a song would you be in? Are you in a verse? Are you singing a chorus, something that you always come back to and a central pivot to the song? Are you in a bridge that's, that's sort of added on to the song? It's not really part of the exact musical structure, but it's added in. And like, where, where are you in your life? Where are, you know, what's, how's your life declaring God? 
That's what we need to ask ourselves. Because how's people going to know Jesus is real if the people that follow Jesus don't share that he's real and don't live out that he's real? Because in verse 15, it says this, And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God sends us to the word world out there. He gives us the word of God. He gives us the fire of God inside of us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He tells us to go into all the world and, tell, and make disciples. So how are we going and how are we making disciples? How, is there anybody you can intentionally say that you're, you're investing in? Anybody you can intentionally say that you're sharing with? That you're sharing good news with? God sends us to share in Matthew 5, he turns around and he says, you're the light of the world. He also calls us the salt of the earth. So if you are the light of the world, are you letting your light shine? I know we used to sing, um, you know, uh, whenever I was a kid, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, hide it under a bush. No, I'm going to let it shine. You know, are you actually letting your light shine as you go around? Or are we still try trying to hide it away, still not letting it burn brightly in our lives? Do we realize that God has given us a life-transforming message? It's called good news. Now, sometimes you, you can walk into some churches and you look at some of the faces in the church and you go, man, do you know that you've got good news? Do you know that you're saved? Because, you know, I, I had this one friend who always used to get up and he was just, he's just always very blank-faced. He just didn't have a lot of expression. And he'd get up and be like, guys, I'm so excited. And he'd be sitting there, I, I can't even do it because I've got a really bad poker face. But like, you know, but like he's sitting there, solemn face, just go out guy, saying, guys, I'm so excited. And everybody would just be going, can you let your face know? You know, can you, you know, because that's in essence the, the window to your soul, letting, you know, get, you know let, your, let your face know that you're excited. And in essence, that's the message that we carry. It's an exciting message because it's one of redemption. It's one of forgiveness. It's one of joy. It's one of peace. It's one of happiness. It's one of contentment. In whatever situation we walk into, we heard that a few weeks ago, didn't we, from Shirley, that whatever situation we walk into, we should be able to be content. In the midst of a storm, we can sit there with a smile on our face, and people will look at us baffled. The storms of this life is raging around us, and we're sitting there going, praise God. And they're going, you're crazy, man. Honestly, that's the way they'll be, because they're not used to people reacting that way in the midst of storms. Jesus, in the midst of a storm with his disciples, was in a boat, and what happened? The disciples freaked out because they looked at the storm and not at Jesus. They lost, they lost track of what Jesus had said and what Jesus said was going to happen. He got in the boat and said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's try and go to the other side. He declared, let's go to the other side. So he went up to the front of the boat and fell asleep, knowing that they'd get there. And then they woke him up in a panic, just going, do you not care that we're going to die? And he's just like, oh, you, you have little faith. Are we allowing that sort of faith to rise up in us where whenever God says, this is what's going to happen, we then say, yes, amen, and we believe it. Verse 16, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So my question is, what exactly are we responsible for with sharing this message? See, firstly, I, we live our lives, and we believe 
the message of Jesus in our heart. We believe the message that God speaks, the message of forgiveness of sins through repentance. We believe that in our heart. And whenever we believe that in our heart, our hearts get transformed. Secondly, we confess with our mouths to tell others, look, this is what has happened to me. This is my testimony. This is my story. Remember the old hymn we used to sing, this is my story, this is my song, this is my savior all the day long. That's what we're meant to do. Every moment of every day, we're just meant to just be so overjoyed with the forgiveness that we receive. It just flows out of us. And we go and tell the message to others. So when people have questions, it's good to share with them. On Thursday, I was up in the school and um, we had, we, I was doing um, RE lessons um, in Jesus Live. The wee prayer cards were at the back there. I'm sure some of you took and were praying for that. But Jesus Alive has been in Ellos. And you know what? We've been, we've been in, and we've been doing lessons on fear, rejection, and forgiveness. And where they look at some famous people in history and the teachings of Jesus, and then interact with someone and give them advice. Um, so it's just teaching them some of the teachings of Jesus around these topics. But we went in for our lunch. So we were just in the canteen. And as we were walking out of the canteen, this group of boys stopped us and started this big theological conversation with us. And we were able just to pour into them a lot of the life and a lot of the hope that we have. And the questions they have are really deep questions. They're really big, you know, big theological questions. You know, because they're wanting to know about like creation versus evolution, you know, um, are Muslim, you know, can Muslims be Christian and all this sort of stuff. You know, and they're wondering about all of these questions because it's just all the questions they have. As I said, some of it's really big topics, but, that's, but we were able to share the message of Jesus through the questions they were asking. We were able to share the hope that we have through what they're asking. So are you prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have if somebody asks you, you go to church? Why do you go to church? What do you believe in? Why do you go to church? Why do you care? Is it not boring? Is it not, is it, you know, are you prepared to give people a response? It's not our job to make people believe, but it's our job to be ambassadors, to represent the kingdom, to say, this is, the, this is what I believe in. This is the hope I believe in. It's our job to show the world. And then if they say, I'd like to know more about that kingdom. I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'd like to know more about the life-transforming power of God, where even in the midst of storms of life, he's with me. Can we go and can we take them to that place where we introduce them to Jesus? It's a big challenge that we all face every day. We're not responsible for their belief, but we're responsible for displaying to them the beliefs of our kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It takes me back to the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, you know, what must I do to, you know, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus Jesus said, um, you know, you know, you, know, you know the commandments? And the guy goes, I followed all the commandments. And then he goes, okay, well, go and sell everything that you have and follow me. But he couldn't because he was really rich. And he went away sad because he was really rich. He wouldn't give up his riches to follow God. In essence, that's what we need to remind people of. It's not about coming to God the way we want. We can follow all the, the rules but if we don't have the relationship, the rules are pointless. There's no point, there's no point if me and Katie aren't in a relationship together, there's no point in me following all the rules of being her husband, is there? 
Because if we're not actually conversing, if we're not in a relationship, if we're not doing it together, if we're not working together, then there's me honoring her as a husband is no good. It's, it's, it's invalid because the promise isn't there. The rules are there. The structure's there. But there's no commitment from the heart. Verse 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. God's hands are open to all people, both Jews and Gentiles. To anybody that wants to hear the message, God's hands are open. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what they've chose. It doesn't matter what faith they've even had in the past. If they've heard the message of God and they respond, if they've heard the message of Jesus and that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins and they respond, they can choose to follow God. That's the message we go with. It doesn't matter about the past. It just matters what you choose in the present and how you live into the future. We go out and we share this message of love. We share the message of hope. We share the message of joy. So firstly, we love God with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And then secondly, we love others as we love ourselves. My prayer this morning for all of us is that we will love ourselves. Firstly, we'll love God with everything we have. Secondly, we'll love ourselves as we love others. There's no point in having one without the other. There's no point in having any of it if it's not all in relationship together. So my prayer this morning is that your relationship with God will be fully open and strong and on fire, that God will burn inside of you like a fire in your heart, that, you, that as you go out into the world, people will see you as a reflection of Jesus. That's what we're meant to be. We're meant to reflect the kingdom of God. St. Francis of Assisi said that we should be sharing the gospel at all times and if needs be, use words. So by the very way that we live our lives, it should define us as different. Jesus himself said, it's by your love that they will know that you're my disciples. Are we in love with Jesus today? It always comes back to that core central thing. You might find that a lot of stuff, a lot of sermons I preach comes back to the very simple fact of loving Jesus, loving God, and letting that transform our lives. I just pray that every one of us will know the love of God today. Let's just close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you died for us. Thank you so much that you challenge us every day to live for you. You challenge us every day to firstly live in connection with you. And then secondly, to display to the world 
the hope that you've placed in us. God, thank you that you forgive us. Thank you, God, that, that we are free. We're free to follow you. We're free to praise you. We're free to be full of the joy of God. We can rejoice every single morning as we wake up. We can rejoice in the day that you have planned for us. And we can pray that you use us every single day. God, thank you that you do use us. Thank you, God, that you chose to use broken human beings like myself and like everybody here. We're all broken. And God, God, you just shine through our broken vessels. God, thank you that you don't disqualify us because of the mistakes we've made. But once we bring them to your feet, you forgive us and we just move on in a transformed life. So God, we just bring everything that's holding us back, everything that's stopping us following you, we bring it to your feet and say, come God and use us. Come God, transform our lives and let people know that you are the hope of this world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to finish with a song. And